It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to Week 2 of This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, the coaches, the players, and the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. Kev, you know, we're into our third full week of league play. Already we have a change at the top of the league standings, so here's a good one for you right off the top. Might we see more change this year in the upper half of the Big East standings than we've seen, say, in the last couple of seasons? Well, you would think that after Villanova's loss at Butler, you'd say, okay, everything's good. You know, it's going to be a wide-open Big East race. And sure enough, there's a few teams off to really good starts. And boy, Villanova came back and and delivered a knockout punch and and a wake-up call to the rest of the league with a really convincing home win over a Xavier team who might be the second-best team in the league. A very, very uh, interesting and powerful uh, game by the Wildcats. Yeah, the number one team in the country once again resides in the Big East Conference. Villanova Wildcats overtook that top spot for a second time this season in the national top 25 polls, and they just did a number on a very, very good Xavier team on uh, Wednesday night this past week. John, it was interesting. Dane O'Neill, who was on our show last week, uh, she had had some, uh, you know, really interesting points to make in her post-game article where Jay Wright uh, took the team back after the Butler loss and just really realized that he hadn't had an awful lot of practice time, which, which can happen this time of year when the games come up so quickly. And he went after his veterans, Jalen Brunson, uh, Bridges, booth and said listen defense is on you guys let's see it you got to bring it everyone else can fall in line and not only did that happen uh, against Xavier but you saw uh, some patented Villanova offense 55 percent they shot as a team five guys in double figures and led by Phil Booth, by the way, who's Career a guy we, who's a guy we need to talk about yeah. because you know I think a lot of people probably forgot that Phil Booth is still there, and he's a big time player as right. he as he's shown really all season long. Yeah, he missed all of last year with an injury, most of last year with an injury, and he came back uh, in in great shape. I mean, he looks chiseled. Kids come back with a dead eye shot again, and like we said, had a, a career high twenty one in the eighty nine sixty five win on Wednesday, and boy, with that kind of action off the bench and in sometimes a a, a, a significant. Role, Role, it really doesn't matter whether you start or you finish. Booth shot the lights out. You know, Nova fans obviously remember him fondly because they would not have won the national championship a without, couple, him. without him. He yeah. was a star of uh, of the win over North Carolina, and boy, they missed him last year. I mean, a, a, a big time defensive player, number yeah. one, who can guard multiple positions. But when he's stroking the ball, it just it makes Jalen Brunson that much better. And last night, he certainly, you know, against uh, Xavier, he looked like the best point guard in the country. Well, the nationally number one cats aren't the number one team in the Big East, technically at least, however. The Creighton Blue Jays currently sit at 4-1 and one in league play with a one-half game lead over Seton Hall and over Villanova after beating Butler this week. Creighton was ranked 25th in the AP Top 25 at the start of the week. Big East basketball is still ranked number two nationally in conference RPI, just getting edged out by the Big 12 at number one. Big East is also ranked second overall in strength of schedule. Presently, four league teams are still ranked within the two major top 25 national polls. Villanova is at the top for a fourth week this year. The Wildcats have been number one for 14 weeks now. Over the past three seasons, Xavier still in the top ten with Seton Hall and Creighton also rating in this week's polls. 
And if you're a fan of Big East nostalgia, <laughs> you had a great time watching Georgetown and St. John's go at it old school style earlier in the week. It was the first time for Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen, two old friends and foes now coaching their respective alma maters, to face off against each other as head coaches. That game occurred at Madison Square Garden, where the two, of course, had special games against each other 33 years ago, and where Ewing, of course, spent his NBA career with the New York Knicks. It made the night even more unique, I thought. But, Kevin, as was the case during their final seasons at their respective schools as players, Ewing once again ruled the roost as a coach. I like Patrick. Uh, pre-game, he said, you know, I, I know that this is St. John's home game, and, you know, Chris, you're from – but this is my house. You know, the garden is my house. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, Patrick, he, he, he played of... way more games than Chris uh, no at question. the garden. No, no I question. Mean, as a Nick legend, no obviously. He had a lot of old, uh, old teammates, especially from the NBA, watching the game there at the garden with him this he week. He did. I thought at one point he was going to turn around and tell Ralph Dalton, can you go in? <laughs> you know, do you have any more eligibility left? <laughs> and, I, and I think St. John's probably could have used Bill Wennington, too. I thought, they thought could've. Maybe that was a possibility. The alumni game, yeah. they should have had an alumni game at the half. That would have been, been great. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I give Georgetown an awful lot of credit. Uh, Jesse Govan has been one of the best players in the league so far. He had 18 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, the, his running mate, uh, Marcus Derrickson, had 17. The, the, the combination of those two guys are kind of leading a team that's clearly in transition, a little young, especially in the backcourt. But uh, those two guys are two high-end Big East players. By the way, Govan's a Brooklyn guy, just like Chris Mullen. How strange is that? Well, he's but he's not wearing the red and white no, of St. John's. He's eh? not. I, and just, I thought it was a little ironic, that's all. Speaking of the Red Storm, you know, uh, obviously Shamari Pons has had a very good year. He's, he had 17 in that game. Uh, word came down officially this week that Marcus Lovett is out for the season. Right. And, and that, that's, that's a that hurts devastating blow yeah. for the Storm. You know, the combination of those two together made them really dangerous. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen that for several weeks because of the in- injury, and uh, it, it does look like he's going to be out for the year. You're still looking for more Big East Hoops Insider News? You can tune in each week live with the Big East Shootaround, available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and, of course, the Fox Sports Go app. Shootaround features coaches and player interviews from around the Big East every week. So send your questions or your hottest takes via social media every week as well using the hashtag BEShootaround to be featured on the show. If you've ever wondered what it might be like to be in the huddle with your favorite team, well, the Big East and its television partner, Fox, they're pulling back the curtain on that very thing. A first-ever moment Friday night in Chicago during the DePaul-Providence game, both coaches mic'd up live. No filters, no in-game commercials. That could also be dangerous. But how might a coach feel about this kind of exposure? Well, DePaul's Dave Lato, he'll join us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. 
Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Big East Spotlight. Struce hesitation move. Gives underneath Kane. Throws it behind him to McCallum for three. He knocks it down from the corner. Globetrotter style passing from the Demons. John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. It's not a stretch to say DePaul is in a rebuilding mode, but head coach Dave Lado, well, he's in the third year of his second time around running the Blue Demons program. And while there are some exciting new players on campus, perhaps the most excitement is coming from the new building in which they play those guys home games and coach Lato joins us this week in the Big East. Coach, how has the uh, Wintrust Arena helped you in your progress of building your program to where you want to get it? Well, you know, uh, thanks for having me first of all, guys, and uh, it, it's helped tremendously. Uh, you know, we've talked about it for a long period of time and now that it's here and uh, we're in it and, and we can see a lot of the things that we've talked about, it, it's been really, really good, you know, from a lot of the ancillary parts that make a program whole. Recruiting obviously for me has been huge because, you know, proximity to being in Chicago, just the newness of it and the convenience, all those things. But for our fans, uh, it, which which means more than anything, uh, the, the fact that they can be there and, and, uh, and cheer us on in a much uh, different and, and improved environment, it helps from the look of our school, what we sell and fundraising and every aspect of a program. So it's been a major, major boost. And you almost have to be here in Chicago to understand uh, what exactly that means for our fan base. And so it's been it's been really, really big. And now now that we're in it, we're playing. Thing that you need to do to create home court advantage is kind of underway. And as we improve our team, you know, game by game, year by year, that'll just continue to grow. And the way to do that is with is with better players. And you've certainly upgraded the roster this year, really, with two additions. Uh, David, if you can talk about both Marin Marek and Max Struess and how you got them. Uh, one of them, uh, a regular transfer in Struess, and then the grad transfer is. You know, we know around college basketball, that's a way to get healthy quickly. Yeah, as you said, so, you know, Marin comes to us from northern Illinois as somebody who uh, has been around this area for a while. He, he uh, played at Lalamere High School, and one of my assistants was uh, a coach at Lalamere, so that kind of started the conversation. And uh, he, he's a, a unique individual because his IQ is really, really high, and so you can have both basketball and life conversation with him that he really understands, so it's easy to coach him in that respect. Uh, and then there are not a lot of uh, post players that, that when you give the ball to him, they can do something really good with it. He can score, he can pass, he can decision-make, which makes it really, really convenient to have a guy, as I mentioned, at that position. And then, you know, as he's shown recently, and, and I know, you know, trying to recruit him and get him that, uh, he can also face the basket and, and make some good things happen, too. So, you know, the relationship started, as a lot of these fifth-year guys do, when he made the decision to, to leave Northern Illinois and, uh, you know, through some good fortune and, and hard work by my assistants uh, that we were uh, fortunate enough to have him and, and uh, glad that he's been a, a big part of our of our season so far. And with Max, you know, he's a guy that uh, comes from some lineage. His mom played here at DePaul with with our athletic director, so there was that relationship. So he's been around here for a long time and had some tremendous statistics at Lewis University. And then when he decided to uh, to try his hand at Division One, we jumped in there. We had a heck of a battle trying to get him. You know, he visited you know, two other Big East schools and Xavier and and Butler, and they came down to the wire, but happy to have him and he's been a tremendous addition not just as an athlete but he, he's as humble and hard-working and right you know doing the right thing kind of guy as you could ever find and so he's uplifted our program with his play but he's uplifted our program with his presence as much as anything the ball's dave lato joining us this week in the big east let me go a little bit further on on max Struess because 
you know, it's one of the rare instances where you see a guy who, as he started at the Division II level, but not far away from where you're located, uh, that has taken his game to another level. Why do we not see more of that? Or is there more of that going on than really meets the eye to the general public uh, in basketball circles? Because it certainly seems like um, his talent is, is cut out for where he's located right now. Yeah, and and I think as time goes on, you know, more of the some, you know, there's a lot of talk about transfers and the good and bad of it. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons to support it or not support it. But when you go from uh, Division two to Division one, there are obviously some changes. There's some size differences, some athletics, quickness differences. But when you have key ingredients, and I think Max is one of those guys that checks all the boxes in terms of work ethic. So he's gotten a lot better from the time he was in high school to the time he entered college. He's grown, so that's helped him a lot. Uh, but it's, it's his humility, it is, as I mentioned, his work ethic. And so kind of, you know, when, when somebody's blessed with natural talent, uh, it, it shortens that gap between talent and hard work and, and what those two things can mean. And, and when you combine them, uh, that means a lot, and that's what Max has. He has a, a very good amount of talent, but then he's got a tremendous work ethic. And you know, guys that enter at the Division One level or even the high Division One level, you know, if they don't understand the kind of work that goes into getting better, then guys like Max can play catch-up. So I, I think it will continue to happen. I think the transfer market or just you know trying to see things at an early age uh, and project forward is is, uh, is dicey. But you know, case by case basis, there are a lot of guys that can make make those things happen. Dave, I'm curious, this is, uh, as John said, your third year now uh, in the second wave of DePaul in the new Big East. Uh, where do you think, you know, your gains can be made on the recruiting trail? Uh, what's the reception that, you you know, you guys have gotten? Obviously, you have ha- have made some gains here uh, via the transfer market and, and some pretty good freshmen coming in this year. Uh, can you just speak of where you think you can take that going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I try to think of it very optimistically, and haven't you know been around this this business for a long time. I've seen the seen the good and bad of it, and a transformation of a program, kind of where we're at now, turn into uh, a program of, of riches. You know, I, I've been at Connecticut from from the bottom to the top, and haven't done that before here here at DePaul. So, you know, the kind of the, the approach in the cell is, you know, a lot of especially young people, they they kind of live in the present, and if you do, uh, you, you can get caught. And what is really important, uh, and uh, obviously, in, you know, in our recent history, the president doesn't say, "Hey, man, you, you need to be here and you need to be part of this." But you know, there there are those who uh, are forward thinkers, and if you do think of it a little bit futuristically, you see what's being done here, and you see what's being built, you see the kind of structure and how an individual can fit into that and make his mark uh, by playing a lot and by being a major contributor on a program that is on the rise, and so. That's appealing to to some people, and we just try to find those people that that want to be a little bit of a, a forward thinker, thinker as I mentioned, and and uh, you know understand what that might mean. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's an everyday grind to try to convince people that this is this is a place that they can succeed at. Uh, you know, we're we're on our way. We're we're a lot closer than we've ever been, and so the sell becomes just a tad bit easier, but it but it's always difficult at the same point in time. 
Coach, we've talked already about a couple of your players in Struess and, and Marin Marge who made the um, uh, Big East honor roll this week. But I'm curious, the adjustment that's had to be made this year by a guy like Eli Kane, who you relied on quite a bit more over the last couple of years in his first two years in the college game. But now he, his production has fallen off because he's got two other guys that are firing the ball in. So how has his game adjusted? And who else on your team needs to contribute really for this team to remain competitive? Yeah, I, uh, I I love the guy, you know, and I've, he's been one of my favorites, if not my favorite, since since I got here. And, and he's been yeah, – his game coming out of high school was, was, was versatile. He could do a lot of different things. He could score the ball. Uh, he was a really good passer. and you know, kind of fit into any kind of situation. And then uh, as he came as a freshman, scoring was needed. So he became a primary uh, – one of the couple of primary scorers that we had in his first two years. Right. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, with, with more talent around him, the, the evolution of going from scorer to yes, we need you to score, but we need you to contribute and do what you did naturally was was his challenge. Uh, and then you know, eight games in, it, it changed again because Devin Gage went down and he had to move over and play point guard position. So he's still kind of figuring it out. And while he's doing so, you know, his shooting percentages and his ability to score the way he always has in his first two years has been, you know, uh, a little bit uh, difficult, but. Uh, it's come around. I think he's found a, a better comfort zone. Uh, and, and so a, as he's trying to figure things out, as we try to help him figure it out, then you know I think it'll be better and better for him because I mentioned moving forward, what, what needs to happen is that you know if he can kind of create that balance between distributor and scorer and, and find that comfort level, then that would be great for us as well as I think we still need to, to expand our, our bench a little bit more and, and get more contributions from guys that are coming in. Well, who's hot? The coaches may coach, but it's the players making the plays that count. Some of those big ones are coming up next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Who's hot? Foster up the lane line. Foster hands off Martine, who lays it up and in. Marcus Foster driving to the baseline. Dishes to Crumple. It's a five-point game. Uses the screen in the corner. Howard three. Your 50 points homer. The week. 5-0. DiVincenzo ahead to Bridges. Left-handed layup is good in transition. A what terrific it? pass and a finish and the foul. Martin crossing over. Three in the air. Buries it. Howard goes to the basket against Bridges, lays it up and counted in a foul. (laughs) 34 for Marcus Howard. He'll try the three-point play. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Big East Player of the Week this past week really was an absolute no-brainer. Now when you go back-to-back for 52 and 37 points against Providence and Villanova respectively, Marcus Howard against the Friars, and we talked a little about this last week, Kevin, because it was basically in the aftermath of that game at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, but Howard followed that up with 37 against the Wildcats, and even though the Golden Eagles lost the game, that's an extraordinary scoring week for a guy like Marcus Howard. And, you know, if you ask me two of the better defensive teams in the league, you know, Villanova and Providence would be in the discussion. Yeah, so, yeah. And 
you know, I'm sure Jay Wright said, hey, fellas, uh, Marcus Howe just had 52 against Providence, so he's going to be way at the top of our scouting list, and he still scores 37. And, you know, to continue the Marquette conversation, they probably had their best win of, of the Big East season bouncing back and beating Seton Hall 84-64. That's a really impressive victory. Uh, the good news for the Pirates, well, they kept Howard under under wraps with 12, but his partner, Andrew Rousey, came up with 31. See, that's how dangerous Marquette can be, though. Marcus Howard's had an unbelievable week. He's named Player of the Week in the league, and then yet he doesn't need to score for Marquette to still be a tough team. That's what happened. They gave Seton Hall their first loss in league play. Those two guys play off each other really well, and clearly it's difficult to keep both under wraps, and that's what you need to do if you want to uh, keep Marquette under uh, under your thumb. All right, the uh, freshman of the week in the Big East was Javon Blair of Georgetown. He averaged 11.5 points uh, in a one-in-one week for the Hoyas. That also included a 90-81 to win over the DePaul Blue Demons. He came off of the bench to score 15 in only 20 minutes of playing time, uh, and then he had eight more in a loss to Creighton. But Blair is quickly becoming one of those young guys, and we're going to talk to one of those young guys uh, coming up in just a little bit here on the program. In the Big East, that'll be a name and a, and a face to watch in future years. Well, and people you know, obviously gave... Georgetown, uh, a lot of guff for their non-conference, and sure enough, conference play opens up. They're two and two, you know, in, in a good spot. Uh, going to Seton Hall, which is going to be difficult, but uh, you know, you got to give Patrick Ewing some credit. On the Big East honor roll this week will be some names that you'll probably be familiar with, guys that kind of lead their teams anyway, and that's usually the case on the honor roll as we get into the meat of the schedule. You had uh, Martina Krampel from Creighton, averaged a double-double for the week uh, in a 2-0 and week for the Blue Jays, and again, we mentioned off the top, they're at the top of the league standings at 4-1 uh, through two weeks of play. Uh, Marin Maric uh, averaged 21.5 points and eight rebounds per game for the week for the DePaul Blue Demons. Kyron Cartwright of Providence, well, 24 points, six assists, Four steals in two games for the Friars this past week. Uh, Angel Delgado Seton Hall, goodness gracious, 28 points, 15 rebounds, six assists in a win at Butler for the Pirates, and then Jalen Brunson of Villanova. Uh, you've heard his name once or twice. In a win against Marquette, 27 points, eight rebounds, and only two turnovers. Yeah, I want to go back to two guys who maybe don't have the pub of a Delgado or a Brunson. One is Crumple. I, I think he's probably the leader right now with the most improved category uh, among Big East players. Uh, I think last year you'd have to be really a Big East walk to yeah, know right. who he was, and now he, he's a very impressive big guy. Multi-skilled, uh, really playing off Marcus Foster really well for the Blue Jays. And then Mark, you know, the, the, these grad transfers have sprung up around the country for a couple of years now, and uh, Marek has the guy who, he has the potential to really uh, spark that DePaul next jump this year. He's averaging 70%, 71% from the floor shooting the ball. That is somebody that you have to game plan for. And, you know, Max Struess, you know, I think people know him by now. He's right. a very impressive scorer. But, uh, you know, DePaul has lacked that multi-dimensional big guy that's just really difficult to get. And to get him for one year, uh, we'll see if Dave Lato can take advantage of that. Well, early in the season, it's easy to find the stars out on the floor. We're leading scorers, rebounders, players making big plays. We've just mentioned several of them here. It's not quite as easy, however, sometimes to identify the stars in waiting. Talked a little about that with Javon Blair from Georgetown coming up. Perhaps another underclassman patiently waiting for his time to shine somewhere. But some underclassmen are already getting some time, and we found one in Providence who is quickly becoming a good one. That's the subject of our Big East Focus next, this week in the Big East. 
Coming up next, the Big East Focus. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. Big East Focus. Yellow bobbles it, goes up with it, and scores! Count it! He's fouled from behind! You know, Diallo, you gotta love him. I mean, in one moment he's throwing the ball away, and that one there, he gets the loose ball in traffic, catches it, takes it up strong, and gets fouled for the deuce. Three-point play the old-fashioned way. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Providence Friars had four starters return from an NCAA team a year ago, but one of those, forward Emmett Holt, never made it back to the floor this season due to an off-season illness. Puts a bit more of a burden on the Friars, but it also provides more of an opportunity for some of the younger players to step up, maybe to grow and to improve. And Friars sophomore guard Alpha Diallo averaged about five points per game in a limited role as a freshman a year ago, but now the New York native is a starter. He's second on the team in scoring. He joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Alpha, you're, you're calling card as Kevin and I know has been a lot about the defensive end but what have you learned about the leadership role that you and some of your teammates now are having to step into in the absence of a guy like Emmett? Uh, we feel that missing Emmett is a big deal um, he brings so much with him such as he can stretch the floor he can get down low and bang with other big guys so in saying that I just had to be more aggressive on the defensive end and rebound the ball because we're missing all those rebounds that he used to provide. And um, just be aggressive also on the offensive end, which coaches talk to me about a lot. Alpha, I've really noticed that uh, last year, as John said, you kind of picked your picked your spots uh, offensively around a, a really good team as a freshman. Now it, it looks like there's certain parts of the game where you know you have to score and you can take advantage of your matchup. Uh, it, how easy has that transition come where, where you just want to be more aggressive? Um. Coach and I watch a lot of film, and um, he usually tells me when I have a smaller guard on me, I can uh, put him in a post and my back towards him. And then when I have a bigger guy on me, I can take him off the dribble, and he says that's what makes me so versatile. The other thing, Alpha, is uh, uh, defensively, as John said, you're a very unique size guy with long arms, 6'6", 6'5". Uh, can guard multiple positions. Has that always been the case, or, or has maybe the challenges in college just expanded your uh, defensive ability? <laughs> um, as a freshman, I felt the way for me to get on the floor was to play defense, and I just try to improve at it in practice regarding such guys as Rodney all the way down to Kyron. So I think that's why I'm improving defensively, because i got to guard those dudes in practice. Okay, now this is the tough question. So, so, so who's easier to defend, uh, Kyron, who goes uh, a mile a minute, or Rodney, who can score in a lot of ways? They both got two different games. Uh, Rodney's a speed de- uh, not Rodney. Kyron's a speed demon. As soon as he catches the ball, you got to know where he's at, or he's going to run right past you. And uh, Rodney can catch a shoe, go off the dribble, and it's, <laughs> I don't know which one is harder. Give me some hard times sometimes in practice. That's how it's supposed to be. They're both they're both good offensive players. All right. So Alpha, you know, you mentioned defense. Friar sophomore Alpha Diallo again joining us this week in the Big East. You mentioned defense, and that that was how you felt like you could get on the floor. So, what about your game offensively? Do you like? What about your game offensively? Do you feel like you still need to develop? 
uh, decision making and shooting the ball a lot. Um, I feel like I can shoot the ball a lot better. Um, I'm in the gym, working on my shots, getting shots up every day, and um, I feel like as time comes on, my shot get a lot better, and then um, we'll see where my game goes from there. So you know, when you talk about the the offensive improvement. Uh, you normally played, I think, off on the wing, if you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in high school. So playing more in a backcourt type of position, how much of an adjustment has that really been for you? Not too much, I'll say, because um, in high school I, I would bring the ball up and stuff like that. And college, um, Kyron, Kyron, Kyron brings the ball up, but I'm still running those wings, and um, Kyron looks up where guys are open. So whenever I'm open, they tell me to take the shot and. You got to repay them by making it. Alpha, I'm curious. So, when you come into Providence, you know you you, you know what you're getting into there, and uh, you know the Big East obviously was a lure and helping uh, in the recruiting process. Tell me what you think of the Big East after a year and a half, and uh, you know l- life in those uh, nine different arenas that uh, the Friars have to go into. Tough man, um, especially last year when I didn't know what the, what I was coming into playing against those big teams and teams that are ranked in the top 10 and you have them at home, you got to take advantage of that. So not a lot of other conferences can have that, have uh, top 10 teams come into your building to play. So um, I'm very fortunate to be playing in the Big East and um, I'm happy to be here. Well, with, with, with those teams come the players, as you very well know. So one of the things that we kind of like to do from time to time when we talk about players, and we talk to players here on the program, is to find out who are your favorite guys. I mean, are there guys in this league that you like to watch play? Are there guys in this league that you find a particular challenge to guard? Because you do seem to get slapped up against some of the uh, the top offensive players in the Big East. Do you like covering these guys? And who impresses you the most? I like to watch basketball, period. So when there's a Big East game on, um, I would I would watch a Big East game before I watch a Pac-12 or ACC game. So some of my teammates, I'll say, would be some of the hardest guys to guard in this league um, in practice because we practice against them every day and sure. compete every day. So sure. I feel like they, they'll be up there on my list. But you got to drop a couple of dimes on somebody else in the conference. Who, who's been the toughest guy for you to guard? I really don't know. Um, team thing, you know, so one's guy's pretty good, but I'll help defenses there that day. I think we can shut out any guy. Well, let me let me throw a name out at you. Marcus Howard from Marquette. He was pretty hard to guard, wasn't he? For the whole Friar team that one night. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you see a guy like that, you know, get off and, and have just an unbelievable night? What what do you what do you try to do to get him out of his rhythm? Um, I think coach try to throw different things at him. Um, see what can slow him down. Uh, I just feel like he's, he's a good player, and um, he got to a hot start and then rode that wave, and then they just followed him after that. So he's a great player and a great shooter. So a tough match to anyone. So what do you feel like still is the expectation for this Providence team for the remainder of this year? We got a lot of conference play still to go, but uh, what do you feel like is the is the ceiling for this team? What are the expectations you guys have? Uh, we can go as far as. We want to go, I feel. Um, as we have a lot of pieces. Uh, we have the depth, Kyron and Rodney and Jalen and Isaiah. Um, as our upperclassmen, uh, they do a great job of leading us on and off the court. And, um, I think everyone's mind is where it needs to be at. 
for us to get some wins in the Big East, and we're going to take it one game at a time. The national perspective is coming up next, and Fox Sports is hoping to open some eyes and some ears to Big East basketball like never before. Senior producer Steve Shear joins us next to tell you all about it. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. National Perspective. Brunson in the lane. Great pass to Cosby Roundtree. And nobody saw that pass coming. And Cosby Roundtree flushes it home. And the Cats lead by 12. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. This week in the Big East, one of the great things about watching games on TV, besides seeing the athleticism, the strength, the grace on the floor, or it might just be the emotion in the stands, even on the sidelines, perhaps. Friday night, Fox Sports 1 presented a unique viewing experience as Providence at DePaul became the first men's college basketball game ever to be presented commercial-free with both head coaches mic'd up live. Yeah, that's right. Viewers could sit right on the bench. They could stand in the huddle. They even go inside the locker rooms at halftime and at postgame. So Fox Sports Go offered also a couple of additional live streams with the main game coverage to go along with that. Separate channels dedicated to Ed Cooley and to Dave Lado. Oh, man, what are they doing here? Fox Sports producer Steve Shear, part of the plan to put this unique coverage together for the fans. He joins us this week in the Big East, a senior coordinating producer for college basketball for Fox Sports. And Steve, I'm just wondering if you could give us a sense now of how the idea to put this type of coverage together came about. Well, it's interesting. A, a few years ago, uh, when I came on board at Fox, we had some interesting, creative ideas. At least we thought they were creative, some of which were off the board, uh, and I approached uh, my bosses uh, with a concept. I said, look, we're always trying to do things around the game. Uh, we started going into the huddles in the Big East, and that's been incredible where you get to hear a little listen in. Right. But what most people don't ever hear is the huddles that we can't use and don't use. <laughs> now, Coach Cooley and Coach Lato are two that have allowed me to use things that some others won't. So all of a sudden we started thinking, okay, what if we did this live? The problem was, well, if you do it live, that means you got to go commercial free, which means we're going to lose money. The second point was that if a coach did it, he's an open book. Every play call, everything you say to a kid, everything you say to an official, everything except curse words, because we're on a five-second delay, right. will be on the air. So when I approached my bosses, uh, they didn't look at me funny. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> and they said, you think you make this happen? And we tried it in a couple of women's games, and it was fantastic, as was last night. I mean, incredible that uh, the coaches would allow us to do it. But for a basketball junkie and a fan like myself, you're hearing everything. There's nothing off limits. When we first did the locker room bits with the women last season, and we went in at halftime, and when I say commercial-free, the only time we're going to take a commercial is at halftime because I need time to get cameras to the locker room. And when halftime ends, I need to get the cameras back on the court. So when we tried it in the women's game, 
we discovered that the coaches were so open and forthright in their talks to the team that it was phenomenal. I mean, you're hearing the strategy. What are they going to do? What adjustments are they going to make? You're watching them at the chalkboard. So we treated it like a heavyweight fight going into the corners. We start in one, we go back to the other. and Just keep cutting back and forth for eight or nine minutes. Um, the one thing that uh, we could get trapped on, and thankfully I don't think we did last night, is when a coach starts saying something, my job is, okay, I'm listening as a, not only a producer but as a fan. Yep. So when is it the time to cut to the other locker room? In the first two attempts that we did, the first women's game between St. John's and Seton Hall last year, there was only one time in a locker and it's actually in a huddle, where we cut off before I want the coach start to say something else. I'm like, man, I wish I had stayed. Yep. The second time we did it, not one time did I question anything that we had done. And hopefully last night's game, when I go back and watch it, I'll have that same feeling that there will be no questioning when to go. Steve, I'm curious, off the two women's games, as you said, St. John's and Seton Hall last year and then Creighton, and the hall this year. What were the coaches' reactions afterwards? Because I'm sure they went back and watched and said, "Did did they have any you know trepidation, any uh, buyer's remorse afterwards, or, or were they were they quite happy?" Everyone was incredibly happy with both games. Um, in year one, one coach said to me, "His biggest concern was not cursing, was not yelling at one of his players. It was." saying something that might be derogatory about one of his opponent's players. That was his only trepidation, but he didn't. This year, I touched base with both coaches immediately after, and they were incredibly thankful for the opportunity and also overflowing with what their reviews were. Steve Shear again, who's the senior coordinating producer for college basketball on Fox Sports. I'm curious now where you might go from here. Uh, other Big East games, other college uh, games in, in college basketball. Uh, where do you feel like coverage now of this sport can go from here, especially through your network? Well, at our network, the horizon is broad because we have incredible people at the top who have a vision, don't mind taking chances. And when I bring crazy ideas to them, they don't sit back and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, our first year, I wanted to play a game on uh, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, at Pearl Harbor on the base. Wow. They they didn't budge. They didn't didn't squirm. They just said, can you get some teams? And we did the first year, and we had uh, Villanova playing Oklahoma, which ended up being uh, a matchup that later appeared at the Final, Final Four. four right. Of course, Villanova right. got revenge. Yeah, yes, they, they did. did. Um, look, the day is going to come when this is going to be the norm. I don't know if it's five years from now. I don't know if it's ten years from now. But people clamor for more access. They want to be. They want to be sitting on that bench, like you said at the very beginning. Yep. They want to know what it feels like. I mean, uh, my goal is to have a guy wear a camera on. Them. You know, in the NBA, they're miking players. Um, we haven't gotten to that point in college basketball. Uh, we'd like to, but it hasn't happened just yet. We've might coaches. Monday night, we're miking, excuse me for this, but I know we're Big East, but we have a Big Ten game. Mm-hmm. And we're going to mic John Beeline. Not live, uh, but he's going to be mic'd. We've done this before. Sure. But we've never done it live. And that was the point. I mean, Ed Cooley for that whole game last night? Come on. And I will say this also. I never in my wildest dreams would ever say, 
Wow, Ed Cooley has his own channel. <laughs> Neither would Ed. <laughs> can tell you that for sure. Oh, Steve, awesome. Uh, the only thing that comes to mind right now is one of my favorite movie lines ever. These days, basketball is like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you'll get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping that uh, when we un- it's all unwrapped and all said and done, that was successful. Uh, I'm hoping that the people at home enjoy it. I'm hoping that the coaches, when I do speak to them in the next couple of days, uh, were comfortable because they'll forget they're wearing the mic. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, you know, you, you get in the heat of the game, you forget you're wearing the mic. Right. And I'm hopeful that we'll get a chance to do it more and more. But uh, to do it for the first time on a men's basketball game, perhaps the most premier college basketball conference in the country, is just beyond belief. And uh, I will say this: I cannot thank uh, Coach Cooley and Coach Lato for last night because if they didn't agree, it doesn't happen. Really got to be comfortable in your own skin to do that. I know. (laughs) To do this. And for these guys to do this for Fox Sports uh, is and was just incredible. Steve Shear, Senior Coordinating Producer, College Basketball with us, Fox Sports. Steve, thank you very much for the education. We look forward to watching much, much more in the future. Appreciate the time, guys. Who's got next? Well, now we get ready to settle in for the grind that is the meat of this conference schedule. Big games coming up. That's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. I'm a college athlete, but you don't know where I was born. If I was raised in the city or suburbs, you don't know the color of my skin, whether I'm big or small, who I love, or if I'm rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle. But the good news is, it doesn't matter. Because as a college athlete, the only thing that does matter is that I have the skill and the drive to succeed in school and sports. Visit ncaa.org opportunity to learn more. Who's got next? They put the three-quarter trap on Rousey. Can he make the steal? He does. Baseline 12-footer. Good. Proud it. Oh, baby. Andrew Rousey's a one-man wrecking crew. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. The week ahead starts actually this weekend because, in all honesty, when you look at the games on the schedule now, this is when you start to see the really good teams begin to get edged a little bit and you start to see some other good teams begin to get an edge and keep that edge. So we wonder, Creighton, as we began the program today, up on top of the league standings at 4-1, and one, they go up against Xavier on uh, on Saturday, Kevin. That in, in all honesty, you got to wonder a little bit about the Musketeers now. Not that I'm doubting they have overall talent, but they've had two back-to-back games where they've struggled. Well, you know, I think this is life in the Big East. If you get... If you don't play well, you're going to lose. I don't care who you are, whether you're Xavier, Villanova, or anybody. But th- there's going to be some spots in your schedule where you might play two ranked teams on the road back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have to go to Providence, you know, a difficult place to play. Butler's had a stretch with four straight top 25 fo- uh, opponents. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you might lose three of those. Right. And play well. Uh, Xavier has not played well, more importantly, at Providence and at Villanova. But, again, th- 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 you can be—you can—I'll uh, give you some grace if you lose— at the Dunkin' Donuts Center and against Villanova on the road. Speaking of Butler, there are two games on Martin Luther King Day on Monday, one of them getting played on MLK afternoon, and it will be the Butler Bulldogs at that Dunkin' Donuts Center against the Providence Friars. Huge game for the Friars. Uh, you know, Need to protect their home court after losing to Marquette at home. 
And uh, Providence has a really big week because they host both uh, Butler and then Creighton comes in the following Saturday. So, you know, two great opportunities for wins for Ed Cooley's team. And two of their next three are at home, and you got to make hay at home. We talked about that, and it sounds cliche-ish, but when you've seen some of the road stretches, you know, Xavier's gone through it, Butler's gone through it as well. Everybody in this league is going to go through a road stretch where it's going to be really difficult to get a win. Scratching out those home wins is big. And, you know, we've seen, obviously, the last couple of years that uh, life at the Dunkin' Donut Center for opponents can be very difficult. Later in the week, how about Wednesday? Uh, after the MLK Day uh, doubleheader, Butler plays at Providence. DePaul also plays at Marquette on Martin Luther King Day. Later in the week on Wednesday, the, uh, the, the marquee game has to be Seton Hall playing at Creighton. You know, Seton Hall is an interesting team. You know, we, we've talked about the same guys, it seems, whether it's Desi Rodriguez or Carrington or Angel Delgado for four years in a row now. And occasionally they just they throw a, throw a stinker up there and obviously didn't play well in the loss at Marquette. And yet you can't bet against those guys. And uh, their toughness and their defense is quite a contrast with Creighton's offensive ability. So that's a really interesting matchup. What would surprise you at this stage of the game? If, if What would surprise you more, I guess I should say? Uh, a team like uh, Creighton continuing to set the pace or somebody coming up from the middle of the pack, let's say, to surprise? Um, I think the top of the league is fairly solid. Uh, it would surprise me if someone from the middle of the pack would all of a sudden make a rush at the top. Uh, Zav- Villanova, Creighton, Xavier, Seton Hall, I, I think they're a solid four. Uh, and and better than everybody else. Uh, that said, you know Providence, Butler, and Marquette are really all dangerous. But I, I have a hard time believing that those three teams can make a run at first or second place over the course of the entire season. Now, to that end, we even began talking about it last week. It'll probably be a subject of conversation throughout the course of the rest of the conference schedule. But uh, seven Big East teams made the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, it's something that's worth, I think, revisiting almost every week right about now when these teams start beating each other up. Is it a possibility again this year? It's definitely a possibility if you look at the numbers. You know, this is the time of year where it's finally start. You know, it's worthwhile to look at the NCAA's RPI, and all of the you know top eight Big East teams are in the top sixty, sixty-five. But uh, you, you need to be in the top forty. You know, that, 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 because that, you have at large teams, and yeah, you do. Right. Uh, you know, to make sure you're in good space. Now that that said, if you look at that second wave Big East teams, the Providences, the Marquettes, the Butlers. They didn't hit home runs in the non-conference, so they need to hit their home runs now. And we've seen that already a little bit. You know, Marquette beating Seton Hall, Providence beating Xavier. Those are the wins that those teams are going to have to need to just round out those resumes. Yeah, and of course, as you mentioned, conference time is the time to make some hay because in Providence instance, uh, injuries really hurt them early in the year. That may be a different team at the end of the season than it was at the start of the year. Yeah, and you know, if you think about back to last year with the Friars, uh, they didn't really get going until February right. and then closed with I six, believe, in six in a row. Six in a row. And that's what punched their ticket. It looks like Ed Cooley's team is, is playing a little better earlier this year, which is a great sign for the Friars. Believe it or not, the 2018 Big East Men's Basketball Tournament is only weeks away. For the 36th consecutive year, the Big East Men's Basketball Tournament will be played in New York City, March 7th through 10th at the world's most famous arena, the mecca of college basketball, Madison Square Garden. Don't miss your chance to go to the tournament. It's easy. Just go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East.
Well, our thanks to DePaul head coach Dave Lado, Providence guard Alpha Diallo, and Fox Sports senior coordinating producer Steve Shear for joining us this week. And uh, thanks also go out to the flagship radio stations at Creighton, Providence, DePaul for their assistance in providing the sound that brings us, brings you hopefully a little bit closer to the big moments in these games. Thanks to our producer Kevin Collins and to all of the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. Thanks to you too for listening. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook, and if you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JR Broadcaster. Kevin is at Kevin McNamara33. We'll be back same time next week. This week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.